Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm Kimberly, fully vaccinated Johnson in D.C. Today, my returning guest is Dr. Leah Torres. Oh my God, I love her. She's like the best freaking doctor ever. She is a gynecologist. I've had her on the show a couple times before. I cannot wait to pick her brain today. But before we get started, I always try to keep these intros short. I do have a tier on Patreon that allows listeners to listen ad-free and with a much shorter intro. The Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners and it's woman run it's patrons who keep the show going if you enjoy today's conversation take a look at the about page check out some of my past guests you'll see most of the time i talk to political people but occasionally i interview actors because i used to be one just visit patreon.com slash start me up i do two free shows a week mondays and wednesdays and they're followed up by what's up with me a show for patrons only after each free show check out the variety of tier options at patreon.com slash start me up you can make a one-time donation by checking out the text in the Patreon description. I've included a link that allows you to donate through PayPal. You can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes slash Apple Podcast Store, become a subscriber, it's free. And while you're there, please rate the show and leave me a review. I would really appreciate it. Now please enjoy my conversation with Dr. Leah Torres. Welcome back to the show, Leah. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me, Kimberly. My favorite doctor in the whole wide world who isn't my doctor, but I wish you were. Ah, uh, shucks. <laughs> doctor to the masses. That's what I That's what I, I am. Well, I have, you are, and I have a good doctor, except I think you're better. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, you have such a way. And I mean, I really want you to know, I, I'm not just kissing your ass because I want to kiss your ass. I genuinely, and I said this to you before, but I mean it. I think you have such a way with you and you're able to handle yourself. I don't even know how you do it. Especially Especially like I've been, I was looking at your feed today and God, you're just getting so much disinformation and you're working against that. I can't imagine how it makes you feel as a doctor, as, you know, as somebody who does a podcast and a feminist with a big mouth, I, sometimes I can tune out what I don't want to deal with, but this is your job. And I can't even imagine how must, how it must be for you. Um, to see this information out there. And so right now what I want to focus on is right now you are debunking um, lies and myths all over the place, but there is one thing that's going on right now, and I'm trying to find it in my notes, but what's this thing about an abort, like the reverse abortion pill or something? <laughs> or something is is where you would go with that. So, <laughs> so there has been propaganda created uh, by the... I'll, I guess I'll say the conservative right, evangelical Christians, anyone who wants to remove bodily autonomy from pregnant people, uh, there's been this propaganda wheel going around and around and around about the ability to reverse an abortion. And when they when they say that, what they're talking about is a hypothetical possibility of reversing the effects of a medication abortion that is reversing the effects of the mifepristone pill mm -hmm. prior to the second part of a medication abortion which is the mesoprostol pills this is experimental at best and in fact when a well i guess a, a, it was a well-researched um methodology for actually putting together a study mm -hmm. to look at the possibility of an abortion reversal. This was done out of UCSF, a well-known research institution that does amazing things in science. Mm -hmm. They found that there was such an increased risk of heavy bleeding and hemorrhage that they had to stop 
their research on abortion reversal because it was causing people harm. Wow. And the risks outweighed any hypothetical benefits that have been propagated in the realm of mythological medicine that people seem to want to adhere to these days. So that's what I posted. And yeah. I'm, I keep getting, oh, but that's a liberal whatever. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, don't believe the abortionist. And it's like, well, I'm a doctor who does abortions. And I also have a master's degree in clinical research. So you can listen to the doc who is getting paid for his quote unquote research, which is not research. Or (laughs) you can listen to me, who has no investment one way or the other, except to do the right thing and provide evidence-based medical care. Is is there an actual pill people can take? Uh, No, the idea is that you have uh, progesterone. I guess it can come in pill form. I think what the original study of a whopping six people, (laughs) um, they had... I guess the progesterone injection, and this is a treatment often used in infertility. So it's not, the progesterone idea itself is not kind of like, it's not new, Mm -hmm. but the application of loading the body with progesterone in some way, either by injection or pill, to counteract the effects of a progesterone receptor blocker, which is mifepristone, Mm -hmm. That's what's experimental, and that's what the research shows can be dangerous because what you're doing is you're you're trying to undo something that's already been done, but you're for whatever reason the body doesn't work that way. You know, we don't we can't just flood the body with a hormone in order to overpower a hormone receptor blocker. The hormone receptor blocker is there doing its job. That's the mifepristone. If you throw progesterone at it to try and and reverse it mm-hmm. is you know the quote unquote that doesn't necessarily just work because in your brain that's how it should work right what we've done in science is show that oh people bleed more so maybe we don't do that wow so now are are there any doctors who are using this method for people who have say you know used uh, the abortion pill I think there are, and it's frightening that that I, I think that there are. Wow. Um, that scares me because that's yeah. essentially going against evidence-based medicine. It's going against current science. And so my thinking is if I have a patient who's come to me for medication abortion and within 24 hours wants to reverse it, mm-hmm. I have failed that patient. Hmm. I have failed to determine that this is what she wants to do or he wants to do. Mm -hmm. I have failed in determining that they were secure in their decision. I have failed in giving them the time that they need to make the decision that's right for them. That's how I interpret that scenario. And so I think that it is dangerous. I know that it is dangerous Mm -hmm. to say, here's a medication abortion. Don't worry. You can just reverse it. That is not the case, and it's also not appropriate informed consent. That goes against all medical ethics, so saith the American Medical Association. That is not how you counsel people. Wow, and it just seems like right now, I mean, this is the first I've ever heard of this. Um, But obviously, I'm hearing about doctors giving patients ivermectin when they have COVID. So it seems like there's this frightening trend that right-wing disinformation is now becoming practiced medicine. Right. Well, we've got lawyers practicing medicine yeah. all over the place, right? Right. right. 
So there's that. But also there is a very big anti-intellectualism movement. Mm -hmm. And that is for, you know, money, power, and control in the patriarchy. Yeah. And people like me who are doing the right thing are then vilified for it. And it's super easy to call me a liar or -hmm. call me some money-hungry doctor, which... I don't know if you've ever worked in abortion, but it's not that lucrative. <laughs> I could be making lots more money doing C-sections and hysterectomies. Yeah. But, um, you know, and I think that that's a shame because people should be in medicine for not for the money. They should mm-hmm. be in medicine to help people, which is why I'm here. Yeah. And it just sounds like there are physicians out there who are willing to use the propaganda wheel to their financial advantage. Wow. Jeez, it's just, oh my God, it's just so disappointing. Um, Before we go on, I do want to mention that you've got a GoFundMe page. And I want you to explain it, but from my understanding, it was after you moved to Alabama to take over an abortion clinic, your medical license was revoked. So, um, but you did get your medical license back, but there's, uh, uh, you know, there's lawyer fees that you have to pay for and they decided that this decision was a mistake. So tell us about that because I want people to go to your GoFundMe page and and help you out. Well, I really appreciate that. And um, I do appreciate the attention that you and and so many people have given it. I'm quite overwhelmed with the response to be quite honest. I'm Mm -hmm. so humbled and so grateful. Uh, Everybody has been so generous and supportive. And as I mentioned in the, in the thread, like I get, what it looks like for a doctor to be like, mm-hmm. help me with my attorney fees. I get the, the the point of privilege that that is coming from. I understand. And I hopefully that, that, that in and of itself, that my asking and my needing this help is, is proof positive that yeah. it's not just, you know, just like not, not just a thing I don't need or, you know, right. want. Right. Um, so I do appreciate that. It's, it's really comes down to um, the basics was, you know, I moved to Alabama there was an announcement that I'm going to be working at the uh, abortion clinic that West Alabama Women's Center is, you know, it's notable for its abortion care in the state of Alabama. Uh, It's no secret that that's what is done here at this clinic. And I was hired to not only perform abortions, but also to expand services, which I'm doing now, finally, after, you know, months of getting my license back. Um, expand services to routine GYN care, STI treatment, contraception, mm-hmm. trans health care, the whole gamut mm-hmm. uh, of reproductive health care. So that is why I came here. And uh, I don't know what came first, you know, chicken, egg, cart, horse. I don't know. But uh, a doctor I'd never met filed a complaint about me to the medical board and then the medical board said that I falsified information on my application, which, as you can see in the GoFundMe page, I I answered a question wrong. <laughs> so if you want to call that falsifying information, I suppose that's how you can look at it. Right. I contend that I made a mistake and corrected it in, within 24 hours yeah. and still – and still was, you know, accused of fraud despite having corrected the mistake that I made. So they revoked the temporary license that they issued me. They denied me the permanent license that I was applying for and said I could appeal the decision of all that, you know, in four months time with a whole lot of legal fees and attorneys, you know, if I wanted to do that, because there was no way I could, I could do this without attorneys. I mean, I was, yeah. 
thrown into a nebulous legal process that I had never encountered before. I've never had a problem obtaining a state license before. I've never heard of, you know, hearings for appeals for license being issued. I just, it was a whole different world. And so, of course, I said I have to have an attorney. So I found an attorney. The state also decided to depose me. And so that's a whole nother level of attorney fees. Yeah, <laughs> if anybody's right. ever gone through a deposition, you know, you have to prepare for it. Mm-hmm. And then the deposition itself was seven or eight hours. Jeez. So that's in addition to the the hearing later that was like six or eight hours. I can't remember. So all of that is to say that ultimately the decision came with all of the evidence put forward that there was insufficient evidence to support that I had committed fraud. Mm-hmm. And that I should be issued a license. Now, mind you, all this time, I'm not working. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm helping at the clinic in, in an administrative role because I want to be able to provide all of that expanded health care. So I've got to make right. protocols and do all this stuff. Wow. But I'm not getting paid yeah. for like four months of that. Wow. So I'm accruing attorney fees. I'm not getting paid. I can't exactly just travel to New Mexico where I have a license. I tried, but mm-hmm. I couldn't get work in New Mexico to help pay the bills. So I'm without income. I'm accruing attorney fees. And then the state of Alabama was gracious enough to grant me a license. And then they said in their report, in, in order to um, void their initial report to the National Practitioner Data Bank, they sent a report to the data bank saying, please void our previous report. The initial action should have not should have never been taken. Oh my God. But yet you're stuck with all these bills and you're out four months of salary. Right. Not to mention the impact of, you know, the money lost the the clinic because the clinic didn't have a doctor. Wow. So that's a whole nother thing. So I, you know, the clinic could have said, we'll pay for your attorney fees. I would not allow that. Yeah. Um, And that's for whatever, I I don't, that's not tooting my own horn. I just, I wanted to, the clinic is my priority. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to keep the clinic as financially stable as possible. So I took on the financial responsibility. If you had told me that it would cost over a hundred thousand dollars, I would have not believed you, (laughs) but as going through the process, I was seeing like, Oh, this is, this is going to be expensive. Right. Right. Wow. And it, and it certainly was, you know? Uh, yeah. Wow. That's just, um, very upsetting and it's not surprising because you're constantly like a target of the right and so I just hope everybody know Leah has this on her Twitter page it's her pinned tweet I'm also including the link to the GoFundMe in this Patreon description if you're listening on the Sexy Liberal um, podcast network or on iTunes whatever please visit my pa- it's patreon.com slash start me up you'll see Leah's interview you can get to that link or just go I'll ask you to do this at the end of the show, but what what is your Twitter handle again? At Leah N. Torres, T-O-R-R-E-S. Okay, so just go visit and give her whatever you can, even if it's five bucks, just do what you can. So um, hopefully we'll be able to get you up to that. And I'll, I have to keep remembering to, to post it because, you know, I mean, I helped, I created a GoFundMe for Sherry Jacobus, who was diagnosed with cancer earlier this year. And I think, you know, as long as people are aware of it and are reminded of it, uh, you, you can get, you know, you can get to your goal. So let's, let's get Leah to the goal. Um, <laughs> okay. So I want to ask you a quick 
question that's very selfish and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it. I just want to know if you know about it. And it's something I'm personally going through. And I'm actually not sure what it is, but it, it started when I took a supplement, which I do believe I might have asked you about and you didn't know about. It's called DIM. But it's this, it's this supplement made from cruciferous vegetables and it helps to lower bad estrogen. And so I have had this problem. I'm, I'm postmenopausal and I'm carrying extra weight and I can't get rid of it. And so um, and, and I know that I have a lot of estrogen and my progesterone to estrogen ratio was low, even though my progesterone was normal and my estradiol was normal. So my question here is, I started getting olfactory hallucinations and I, and I smell smoke and I'm actually smelling it right now. Um, but I also have a nasal polyp and that could cause the problem. I read though online that there are all kinds of women in menopause and even some that are still menstruating who have experienced this olfactory hallucination and I'm just wondering if you've ever heard of it. And I I feel like I've heard of it but it's never it was not something I was taught, you know, in in my training that was not something that I recall ever being covered. Um and I certainly, you know, believe you and I believe that it's a thing and I wish I could speak more to the etiology but um, interestingly enough, I do know menopause is when the ovaries stop making estrogen. That's what menopause is. So your body is used to having estrogen. And so when it no longer has that estrogen, of course, a lot of changes occur. Mm -hmm. One of those changes is hot flushes. Mm -hmm. And I think this might be related to the olfactory thing because hot flushes are, are when the part of the brain that acts as the thermostat that part of the brain really likes estrogen mm -hmm. and when that estrogen is taken away that thermostat goes all out of whack that's mm -hmm. the simplest way i can explain right. it yeah. and so when people have symptoms of menopause that are specific to hot flushes i for example don't give them estrogen i will give them a what's called an snri like effexor it's actually a serotonin norepinephrine receptor uh, uptake inhibitor reuptake inhibitor so it promotes more serotonin and norepinephrine in the brain to be present that is because the thermostat uses those as well and the thermostat can be stabilized with more serotonin and norepinephrine that's why that works interesting so yeah so it's like you know you want to treat the the what's happening and not just the symptom yes so because we can't give people estrogen forever mm -hmm. um which would be one way to treat hot flushes i i personally have found success with this other method which works because it acts on the same area of the brain that the thermostat is located in now that could be related to the olfactory mm -hmm you know, receptors. The brain is very complicated, right? And we're still obviously learning a lot about the brain, but I feel like these hormones can change certain areas of the brain. And a perfect example of that that everybody's familiar with is hot flushes. So why yeah. wouldn't the same maybe happen with the olfactory? Yes. Now center? that you're telling me this, I remember I did send you my tweet because I, I said that I kind of thought, all right, this is probably what it is. I, I'm taking this particular substance. Now, I mean, I've been through menopause, but I did a blood test and a saliva test, and it showed that I had a normal amount of estradiol in me for whatever mm -hmm. that's worth. 
Um, and I don't know what the deal is. Like, I don't know, but I did happen upon this thread on Reddit where all these women were like, oh my God, yes, me, 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 me. I had, and there was this one particular woman and she said that it was, it was the drop in estrogen. She had noticed it every, like, um, every month before her period and she would start Mm -hmm. smelling that. And then whenever she got her hormones balanced out, it went away. And so I'm on this con, which I probably will be emailing you privately for the thing that you were talking about for hot flashes because I'm having one right now. (laughs) 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 And, um, you know, and it's, it's just, it's very upsetting because the, from what I've read, this olfactory hallucination stuff could be from a number of things. You know, it could be Parkinson's disease. It could be a precursor to Alzheimer's. So it freaks me out. I mean, I, I have a feeling it's relating to my hormones because it started when I took this supplement. And, and the, the reason that I know the supplement had an impact was because I was carrying additional belly fat that I could not lose for five years, no matter what I did. And then, um, but if I put that on Twitter, oh my God, everybody in the whole world advises oh, me on how to lose yeah. weight. <laughs> it's like, no. I, and I, I said the other day, I was like, I used to be an actor in Hollywood. I know how to lose weight. <laughs> Meaning I had so much pressure from, right. from so many people that it's like, yeah, I, I even had an eating disorder. I don't, I'm not, I don't have an eating disorder anymore. And I do know how to eat properly. But it's like, when I say I'm unable to lose weight, so many people go calories in, calories out. It's like, no. I work out, I eat right, and so much fat on my belly, elsewhere too, but on my belly. And so when I started taking this product, Dim, it reduced my belly fat within like a noticeable difference within like three weeks. So I do think that um, it it had an effect on my hormones, but because I'm trying to figure it out on my own and I don't take hormone tests every day, I can't really determine where things are at. I just have to gauge how I feel. And so I just, but I wanted to thank you for uh, bringing that because I know there are other women out there who have issues and problems relating to hormones, relating to whether, I mean, I had it my whole life. I had, it started off where I get such bad cramps that I would pass out. And it was like funny because I was living with my mom and I was like, I don't know how old I was, maybe 20. And I had this one particular night, it was normal for me to get such terrible cramps in the middle of the night. And so this one particular night, it was like two o'clock in the morning. I, I, the pain was extreme and I was literally seeing stars. And I took, I like went to the kitchen, took some Advil and on my way back to my bedroom, I fell cause I passed out and I hit uh-huh. my head on the wall and my mom comes running out and she's like, Oh my God, did you pass out? And I like immediately came to, and I'm like, no, but I did. And, right. um, you know, I took birth control pills and that stopped with that. But my whole entire life, I've had such issues with hormones. And when I go to the doctor, I have a good doctor right now, but she's not the best doctor, but you know, it's like, they don't know. So many doctors don't understand women's hormones and it's, it's, been a lifetime for me and it's so upsetting and I know that just just that information you gave about hot flushes it's like I want to know more <laughs> because right well that's and, and I will say you know unfortunately we don't have a lot of information yeah about the hormones in you know produced by the ovaries and the hypothalamus and the female body we because we've done all of our research on men right i mean that's Maddening. a big problem in medicine and why we're often behind the eight ball on this and so a lot of the times i'm deducing 
the problem just from what I know of basic physiology. I understand Mm -hmm. the menstrual cycle. I understand which hormones are elevated and which ones decrease. and, And then I go from there, but there's lots of hormones in the body. And so for, you know, the last centuries, we've been calling, you know, calling women hysterical, Mm -hmm. um, which is actually just us being sick of being patronized, actually. So, you know, like, there's been this sort of write off of, oh, you're hormonal. And that like, makes me, of course, absolutely crazy (laughs) and hysterical. Um, (laughs) Right? I mean, it's a self fulfilling prophecy in the end. Right? It really is because it makes you just especially when you get the pat on the ass, like little little woman. I, I mean, I was watching, not that I would necessarily recommend watching Suzanne Summers because she's done a lot of research on mm-hmm. bioidentical. And I think she's a strange woman. I think she's got some interesting information. But she had said she was visiting a doctor on her, you know, she had gained weight, all the typical stuff you go through with menopause. And she had a male doctor and he recommended something that didn't work for her. And so she was complaining about it. And, and he like, he patted her on the back and he said, he said something like, let, let the experts handle this. dear." Oh. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I may not listen to every piece of advice she offers. Uh, and I do think she has some thought provoking information, but it's like, I totally get the frustration because here she was this woman who was going through all this crap and you know itching and you know stomach fat and and anger and all of the stuff that you go through hot flashes and all of it um and then she's basically the same thing happened to my mom my mom went on Premarin of course the male doctor she was with gave her Premarin and she started getting leg pains and she said to him I don't like this and he's like oh just just basically deal with it yeah. She's like, no. Yeah. And that's not okay. And that's, of course, not okay. No, it's um, not okay at all. Unfortunately, there's a lot of patriarchy in medicine, even mm-hmm. in the OBGYN field. Um, and I think that, you know, my mantra is if you listen to the patient and ask the right questions, the patient will tell you what's wrong with them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, the, I mean, I know there's not yeah. always a solution, but there's at least, you know, getting there. And I wish I just, uh, it's so frustrating to me and I've been dealing it with my whole life. Now, um, I do want to get to the, uh, the abortion Texas ban, but first we have to take a quick break and we'll be back after this message. Okay, we're back. So with this abortion ban in Texas, some people are saying it's not the end wait, of the Wait, wait, wait. Okay. It's not a ban. Okay, it's not a ban. Because they can because still abortion ad- is still legal. available. It's still legal for up to 6 weeks. Uh-huh. So what it is is the reproductive coercion law. Okay. Reproductive I mean, coercion. I just Yeah, it's it, it technically it's not a ban because when you throw in ban right. then you get to Roe v. Wade and Roe v. Wade is you know ir- irrelevant now, but it's still a thing. So I just, I don't want to get lost in the details, but sometimes the details are important No, and, and I you, don't want to call it a You're ban. absolutely right. Because, and I think part of the reason people are saying it's a ban is mainly because, you know, you don't even realize you're pregnant. Sometimes most women don't realize they're pregnant by six weeks. So right. effectively, um, effectively, effective, that's what it is Yes, in real, in real life, in yeah. practice. But it's not a but... legitimate ban because you can still get an abortion. Mm-hmm. But okay. So now I think you just answered my question, but because some are saying it's not the end of Roe. Some are saying that it is. Where do you think Roe's like, okay, I don't even know. Let me just ask you this and see what you have to say, but just in general about Roe. There are those who say 
that, oh, we're never going to get rid of Roe because the Republicans like to fundraise off of it. But I say they can get rid of Roe and, Roe and still fundraise with the fear that Democrats are going to bring legal abortion back. So do you see, like, how do you see this playing out? I mean, do you see this going to effectively killing choice across the country and it's up to the states? Where do you see this going now? Well, I'm I'm probably not the best expert to predict because, um, you know, folks like uh, Imani Gandhi and Jess Piclo and Robin Marty, they've all been following this uh seeing seeing the game seeing the big picture for the past decade so yeah i've been too busy you know trying to keep people alive um, <laughs> and they've, they've been doing that they've been doing the hard work um so but my my view on this is our let's look at it this way so first of all any limit to access to health care is wrong mm-hmm. and it's a human rights violation mm-hmm. so the like not expanding Medicaid in my mind is a human rights violation. Mm-hmm. Everyone in this country should have access to health care. Abortion is health care and you don't have to like it, but it is. Yeah. As long as long as prenatal care is health care, yeah. abortion care is health care. As long as infertility care is health care, abortion care is health care. So basically what Texas has said is you can have access to health care when I say it's okay. Right. So what Texas is also saying is that the state can't uh, impose vaccine mandates or mask mandates, which is, you know, all sorts of hypocritical and mm-hmm. antithetical, but whatever. SCOTUS, the Supreme Court, has voted five to four that they're not going to intervene, mm-hmm. which is essentially saying, like, this inaction is saying that the Constitution doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Precedent doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so Roe v. Wade, remember, people call it the law of the land. It's not a law. It's a case decision precedent. Mm-hmm. New decisions can come forward. Yeah. So that's what that is. What wow. we need to remember is that it is not law. Right. Now, my interpretation of the Constitution is that people have a basic human right to self-determination. Mm-hmm. Texas says that that is not so, and the Supreme Court voted five to four to let Texas continue interpreting it that yeah. way. <sighs> so where do I see it? It's not good, Kimberly. Yeah. It's not good. Um, yeah, it's very upsetting, and I, I think what what is lost on some people. I mean, you know, there. For instance, I'm 53 years old. I'm never going to get pregnant. I've been through menopause, but to me. This abortion law, or whatever you want to call it, coercion law, uh, it affects me. And it, and it doesn't affect my ability to get an abortion, but I think what it does in a much bigger picture, it's like this patriarchal message. It's this message that women are lesser than, that they, they don't get to make decisions. Now, I, I want to be careful with my language, and I want to get to language in a minute, so I should say pregnant people. Uh, that pregnant people are lesser than, and that they don't have the same kind of rights. They can't make decisions for themselves. And therefore, that is going to lead, you know, the, the sexist jerk out on the street to feel he is superior to women and he can, like, if I'm in the grocery store and I do something or say something that he doesn't like, he's going to feel he's, he can overpower me in some way, whether it's with words 
or physical or anything. Mm -hmm. And, and, And I mean, some people might say that I'm being overly paranoid, but I think it lends to the bigger message of, you know, women and, and people who are pregnant or can get pregnant are basically at the mercy of men. And that's how I take it, aside from the fact that, you know, people who want to get abortions are not always going to be able to get abortions, and right now they can in many states because the, the uh, abortion clinics are gone. But it's just this idea that people who can get pregnant are not as important and that they... You know, if they're hurt or if something happens to them, oh, well. I mean, is that something that you think about? Look at our maternal mortality rate. <sighs> yeah. That's, that's, that's a mathematical evidence that pregnant people are considered less than. Mm-hmm. That is not hyperbole. That is not an exaggeration. That is evidence black and white right in front of you. Yeah. Right. Let's remember that this is not new. No. What Texas has done is not new. Mm-hmm. This has been like, watch. I mean, I I, I hate this, this silly. It's not a funny situation, but it makes me think of the scene in Deadpool where he's got the Zamboni. He's like, you're going to die by a Zamboni in five minutes. And it's like, we saw this coming. It's like death by Zamboni. Like, it's not like all of a sudden it's here. It's like, you see it coming, you know, it's coming. It's going to take a minute, but it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. That's what this has been. This is the patriarchy. This is the systemic racism. This is the misogyny. This is all of it to obtain and hold power and gain wealth. Mm -hmm at the expense of people and their fertility and their ability to have families if and when they want to. And yeah, in my field, I've seen it firsthand that pregnant people are treated, treated as less than that pregnant people are treated as a cash cow, a brood mare throw in any subhuman thing. I've Mm -hmm. seen it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just like an overall sense when you're out in the world. And I mean, I, I'm sure <laughs> I, I know black people can fully understand this because they're constantly dealing with whether it's discrimination or oppression or, you know, it, Republican people. And I'm not just blaming Republicans for being racist because racism comes from everywhere, but it's very blatant when it comes from Republicans. And I think it was there was a piece like last night on MSNBC and I think they were doing they were doing a a piece on COVID and I think it was Fox and Friends even though the majority like the statistics about who got vaccinated um, the Republicans or Trump supporters or whatever it was was the number was higher for people who were not getting vaccinated than black people but they were focusing on the black people who didn't get vaccinated and pointing their fingers and blaming and so right, of course. you know so and, and that carries through so it's like mm-hmm. if, if there's one negative story about a black person then whatever that story is then that puts into people and the same thing goes with pregnant people so it puts it into your mind oh well then they're they're, they're lesser than and then they're treated differently just when you go to the store just when you're doing your daily thing there's this it's 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 like white supremacy it's patriarchy it just lends to that argument that white people and white males are superior and it's 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 just upsetting and maddening and i feel you know i mean i wrote peyton's choice 
which is a book about a teenage girl who, you know, chose to have an abortion. And I feel like, you know, I did that back in 2015, and it, which seems like eons ago. But at that point, they were getting rid of abortion clinics. And I wanted to write something for young girls, of which, of course, I mean, I didn't have a publisher. I published it myself. It is the number one selling book of the books that I've written, but it's not flying off shelves or anything. But it's like I just wanted to write something for young people so that they could have an opportunity to see, oh, okay, well, it's really not that bad. I, you know, I watched the other day, I watched this girl, when I say not that bad, I just mean morally. Um, I -hmm. watched this girl who on YouTube and she said she had an abortion and she explained um, her whole situation. And, you know, I felt like, wow, there's so many things that were close to what I wrote in my book. And I'm jumping ahead because I do want to get to the language, but I just want to get to this first. I want to ask you this question first, because in my book, the uh, lead character, Peyton, had sex. She was on the pill, but she forgot to take the pill at the normally scheduled time. And so she got pregnant while she was on the pill. This girl that uh, gave, you know, did a YouTube video, she was on, was it, is it called Deprovera? Is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. And she was on it and she got pregnant. She's like, we didn't use condoms because we didn't think we needed it. And, you know, I still got pregnant anyway. And it's funny because anti-abortion people... Uh, I should say forced birthers come on my comments or my reviews and say that, oh, you know, nobody gets pregnant when they take the pill. So I just wanted to ask you about that. Have you, how, I mean, obviously statistically we know it's possible. Um, How many women have you seen just in a rough estimate? How many pregnant people have you seen who have been on birth control pill or shot or whatever IUD that have gotten pregnant? Well, a fair number um and it's unfortunate because they they look at me looking for answers because in their mind their mind is saying i did everything right and i i can't fault them for that and and what i want to steer away from is this sort of idea of blame right um there's nothing to blame there's no one to blame there's you can do all of the things you know you can wear your seatbelt, but that doesn't mean you won't get in a car accident you can drive you can drive safely. That doesn't mean that something won't happen to you on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, things, life happens. Mm-hmm. And um, it's unfortunate because I've actually had, you know, I've, I've done an abortion on someone who had their tubes tied. Wow. In addition to which her partner had a vasectomy. Oh my God. And I always use that example oh because it just goes to show Wow. like, you can do everything right mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and still need an abortion and that's okay. Yeah. Like, and that's okay. Yeah. So part of the problem with stigma is that people do come in saying kicking themselves when they should right. not be kicking themselves. Right. There's no need to kick yourself. And it, and you get into this with miscarriage too. There's a lot of blame and people go through a lot of shame mm-hmm. and guilt that they do not deserve mm-hmm. in miscarriage as well. Miscarriage is, so unfortunate and it's a it's a chromosome problem mm-hmm. like you don't have control over that there's <laughs> nothing that you can do to to affect the outcome one way or another yeah. but the patriarchy has done such a good job at like what's wrong with you right well yeah, there must be something wrong with you yeah exactly and then we take that in and we say oh i did something wrong i forgot to take a vitamin i forgot mm-hmm. to whatever mm-hmm. or i didn't take a pill at the right time no you, you can do everything right and bad things can happen. And that's just because we cannot control everything in the universe. You know, what you, 
Go, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, what you just said really resonated with me because when I was younger, um, you know, my boyfriend is Bob Seska. I met him when I was 47 years old. And up until that point, the only other, like, boyfriend committed relationship that I was in was when I was 18 years old. So from like 18 until 47, I was not in a committed relationship and I really wanted one. And I, you know, and I, I had all these insecurities and I felt like no one was ever going to love me and I didn't know what was wrong with me, but this is, this is what resonated with me, what you were just talking about. For some reason, I got it into my head. Uh, I don't know, maybe there's a psychic thing. I've never been pregnant, so I don't know if this is true at all. But there was this fear that I developed that what if I can't get pregnant? If I can't get pregnant and I meet this guy and I fall in love with him and he falls in love with me, as soon as he finds out that I can't get pregnant, he's, gonna, he's not going to love me. And that's going to be it. And, and I took on this feeling of without proof. It's not like I've, I haven't even been pregnant. I have, I, I've never been in a situation where, you know, I would know if I'm pregnant or not. I mean, I just, it was never But you were told that was your worth. That's exactly it. That's what you were told. And that's the lie that you believed that we all believe. Yeah. And it's not just you, obviously. That's the lie we are told that our worth comes from our ability to have children. Yeah. And it's a lie perpetuated by the patriarchy. It's a lie perpetuated by all of these, you know, anti-autonomy, pro-reproductive coercion people and it's not right. Like, you don't deserve that. No, sort of. I don't. You know, I mean, and now I'm past the age of ever knowing. And, um, you know, I mean, fortunately, you know, Bob and I are both people who are grateful that we don't have kids. We're, we're fine with it. You know what I mean? It's like, and, and now I couldn't get pregnant even if I wanted to. But um, I just, I think it's fascinating that, and you're absolutely right. It was this bullshit that I was sold by the patriarchy that my worth is wrapped up in the way my body looks and the ability to procreate and have kids. And, you know, again, there was no reason for me to assume that I would have ever had a problem other than the fact that I never got pregnant. And so, um, you know, I mean, there were a couple times where I was, it was too risky. I, I was, I, I allowed the situation like fine, you know, the pullout method or something stupid like that. Like I just chose to go with it for the moment and I didn't get pregnant thankfully I didn't want to be pregnant but it's weird how my mind turned that into if I can't get pregnant then I'm not going to find anyone to love me and I'll be your rejected. Mind, but your mind didn't do that the messaging the patri- yeah the patriot exactly exactly it's just so sad and I, I just had to I just had to say that but I do want to get to the language there's a couple of different things I want to hit on first of all there's gender so let's hit on that one first and, and I try to be very careful of it. I mean, and I just want to ask you your opinion. I mean, sometimes I want to say women because clearly mm-hmm. women are the people, you know, women get pregnant. But then there's also trans men who can get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't want to use language that's going to, um, you know, make people feel like they're they're not as good, they're, that they're not the same or whatever. It's like inclusive. I want to lose in, use inclusive language. Um so when you're so usually is what you just say is pregnant people or she or he is this as simple as that well it 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 really depends i mean the the inclusive language is people right because we're all people yes and you know anyone who's who says that using inclusive language erases a group (laughs) yeah 
is does not either understand what they're talking about or doesn't understand the definition of inclusive. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, just be wary of those folks because yes. first of all, let's remember that gender is a, for lack of a better term, man-made construct. Yeah. You know, gender is a, 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 a category that we decided it, one existed and two existed only as binary. Mm-hmm. But, it's clear, and we've known this throughout the ages, that it's not binary. And honestly, who cares? Like, right, exactly. <laughs> who who cares? I don't care. I don't care what is under the hood and if that is different from how you identify or what I was taught are the binary system and that's different. But now maybe we have, you know, hormonal anomalies that can happen mm-hmm. in a in a fetus and then born with ambiguous genitalia and then we don't know and there's intersex and all this stuff like who cares yeah like no one should no one should care it should be as important as like i don't know what's something really mundane and unimportant it's just it doesn't (laughs) matter so what i like to say is people and now there are groups of people who are historically oppressed yeah and that's where kind of narrowing it down will help but of course those groups of people who are historically oppressed are LGBTQ plus people are those who are not white, Mm -hmm. cisgender, heterosexual male. Right. You know, so you've got the cisgender, heterosexual, white male, and then everyone else is oppressed. And that's true. Mm -hmm. But then you've got your different groups of different oppression. And it's just like for category sake, I will use gendered language, but mostly it's just people because, Mm -hmm. again, the people who are not the cishet white male are the ones who are being oppressed in some way right wow and yeah and I mean I just I'm putting that out there because I know you know I see Charlotte Clymer talking about especially when the Texas law came down um, she was trying to you know let everybody know hey (laughs) there's there's an inclusive way of talking about this and Mm -hmm. and so I think you know as we move on and, and time you know passes more and more people are going to start understanding this and and it's not to say that I feel like I'm making a mistake if I say women but I, I always want to correct myself because I want to be more inclusive and and I understand that like you said it really it's just it's such a who cares it doesn't matter yeah. so let let's just let's just all be united and together and <laughs> the other one well, let's do the let's do the right thing the right let's thing. do the humanitarian exactly. thing Exactly. Yeah. And just make who doesn't people... want to do that? A lot of people, but like Ben, it's Shapiro... Crazy. ben Shapiro doesn't, but <laughs> uh, he's not human, right? Didn't we determine he was, you know, an alien from another? I think so. <laughs> um, and then the other one of the, I think this is going to be the last thing. I know you got to go and work, but um, I just want to kind of touch on, I, I hear this from men um, and then I mean, I hear it from women too. It depends on who you are and what kind of person you are. But people say oftentimes, oh, you know, nobody's pro-abortion. And and I've talked about this so many other times on my show, but I'm just going to keep driving it in because I am extremely pro-abortion. And I think that the problem when you say pro-abortion is people in their minds think it's like, oh, let's have a party. Let's have a party for abortion. Abortion's so much fun. And it's like, no, that's not what you mean with pro-abortion. And I always like to say I'm pro-abortion in the same way that I'm pro-colonoscopy. It's like, I'm grateful that the um, procedure exists. It's not a procedure that I would want to have to have, but 
I will I am very pro that procedure. And and what I see a lot of times is male allies who are genuinely on our side but don't fully understand because they can't get pregnant. Um, they want to turn abortion into this terrible, upsetting experience. And they say, oh, it's such a hard decision. And I know for some people that it really is. But I want to ask you as a doctor, and I might have asked you this before, but I just want it to be reiterated. I mean, could you talk about the patients that you have that don't have this big moral issue with it and they're just relieved to have the procedure done? That's actually the majority of my patients, especially here in Alabama. Interesting. <laughs> People are very grateful yeah. that uh, we're here. Um, when when wondering, like, replace the word abortion with healthcare. Yeah, exactly. Because abortion is healthcare. Colonoscopy is healthcare. Pap mm-hmm. smears are healthcare. No one wants to go get a pap smear. No. <laughs> Right? Like, no, like I, as a gynecologist, people come in to see me begrudgingly. Yes. Like I am often compared to dentists, right? And I get that. That is, a, that's fine. I get it. But, you know, my job is to make the pap smear not a horrible experience right. and to make it like no big deal and have the patient walk away with, oh, that wasn't so bad. Right. You know, that's yeah. my goal. Yeah. Anyway, so just replace the word abortion with healthcare anywhere you read it and you will see where people stand on things. Right. You know, the people who are against abortion are the same people who don't support expanding Medicaid. Mm -hmm. They don't want to see children fed in schools. Mm -hmm. They don't want to see children vaccinated. They don't want to see, um, maternal, you know, healthcare improve. They don't want to see people getting support for childcare services. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's antithetical. So you can't actually talk about abortion unless you understand and accept the fact that it's healthcare. Mm-hmm. If you cannot accept that fact, then then the conversation's over before it started. Yeah. Because that's like saying, I don't accept the fact that the earth is a sphere. It's a cube exactly. because I said so. <laughs> no, it's not because you said so. The fact is the earth is a sphere. The fact is abortion is healthcare. The fact is water is wet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I just, I see so many men out there who are like, they want to say the right thing. They want to do the right thing, but they make these assumptions like it's so difficult. And I mean, I, you know, it's like just going back to that girl who talked about having an abortion. Um, it was interesting because she, she was like 18 and she said she and her boyfriend had discussed because she was taking birth control pills that if she were to ever become pregnant, um, that they would end and the pregnancy. Um, but then of course, when she became pregnant and she was with this guy, she loved, uh, she found out she was pregnant and she called him up and she told him what happened. And his first reaction to her was, we're getting an abortion, right? And she said that that kind of hurt her because, you know, I mean, here she was with someone she loved and, you know, she chose abortion ultimately, but she, she, she said, he didn't say, are you okay? I'm here to support you. It was abortion, right? And so it's well, like, and that's a, such a double-edged sword. I mean, that's a, that's a, yeah. The first question you ask is how how do you feel? Exactly. <laughs> that's the first question. Yeah, and I'm here. Note to I'm the here for you. Pub- public service announcement. <laughs> the first question you. That's the first question I ask. Yeah. When someone comes in with a positive pre- pregnancy test. Yeah. I don't say congratulations. Right. I say, how are you feeling? And then they will tell me 
if this is good news or bad news. Well, that was funny because she said her doctors did that. They said congratulations. That's I, not right. Yeah. So that's a, yeah, doctors don't do that. Um, <laughs> you ask how the patient's feeling about it, and then yes. you can gauge. And it's and when I say bad news, I don't mean like bad. It's just unexpected right. or like you're not wanting to be pregnant, so that's yeah. not what you wanted to hear. Right. But abortion, having an abortion does not have to be a dramatic decision. It doesn't have to be this painful diatribe of why you had an abortion and it can be I was pregnant I didn't want to be so I went to the clinic and had an abortion yep <laughs> that's it yeah and that's... maybe maybe the procedure was no fun but after the procedure is over then you're just relieved I mean I've known plenty of women who have had abortions and they're just relieved and they went on some of them chose to have children later some of them didn't but it was not this terrible moral thing it was just you know and a lot of men make that assumption and I and I can understand why they would jump to that but it's like put yourself in my shoes when I was a younger woman and dating there were times when I lived in Los Angeles and I was literally living paycheck to paycheck I had no family around me and there was no way in hell I was not interested or ready in motherhood and and so having an abortion would have been my go-to and I would have been so relieved so I just want mm-hmm. to put that out there to people because I get that there are male allies who definitely want to help, but they're not helping when they're painting this picture like it's the most agonizing thing ever because it's not always agonizing. Sometimes it is. Sometimes maybe you got a, a couple and they just can't, aff- they love to have another kid, but they can't afford it or whatever the reasons that might be an agonizing choice. But when, you know, there are plenty of women, just like you said, the majority of women in Alabama are just relieved and they're grateful that they could have the procedure and then they can go do what they want to do now. And so yep. for that, I thank you. I appreciate, I just appreciate everything you do and I know you got to get back to your patients. So um, thank you so much once again for being on the show and don't forget everybody go to Patreon and uh, go to her GoFundMe now. And also uh, say your Twitter handle one more time. At Leah N Taurus. Cool. And then you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y and you can find my books on Amazon thank you so much Leah thank you for having me Kimberly always a pleasure thank you alright you take care you too bye 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 bye